This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Today, I'm talking with Emerging Infectious Diseases Managing Editor Byron Breedlove about the EID Journal cover art. Byron, you became Managing Editor of EID about three years ago. You followed in the footsteps of the illustrious Polizini Potter. She was founding Managing Editor of EID and creator of the iconic cover art and the accompanying stories for almost 20 years. As part of your new position, you had to begin writing these cover stories. Was that intimidating? Actually, the notion of suddenly immersing myself into both infectious diseases and art and finding connections between the two was terrifying and intimidating. I've written hundreds of short articles, but my skills as an essayist were a bit rusty. How has your style and approach differed from Polly's? I've read and admired Polly's work for years. She delved deeply into the art, culture, history, and place. She connects readers to the artist and their works by drawing upon her own knowledge of culture, technique, and personality. I knew I could not emulate Polly's approach. Instead, I tried to find layers of connections between the journal's theme for the month and the art. I try to describe what I see in the art, not to define it, but to offer readers a starting point in viewing the work. Linking the art and science in some rational way is the hardest part, and like Polly, I usually try to leave readers with some insight or idea that they would not have considered before. I think Polly's essays are perhaps more self-contained, whereas I want readers to be intrigued a bit and then go explore for themselves more about the artist, the art, and the science. Another key difference is that I've written about half of my essays with co-authors, typically with scientists. The process of having a co-author allows us both to try different ideas and approaches as we exchange drafts. It also provides some assurance that I will not embarrass myself when I'm writing about complicated infectious disease topics. How about the cover art pieces themselves? Has the kind of art used on the covers changed? Yes and no. I rely less on but still use iconic images and works by well-known artists. Most of those works are cultural touchstones and need less introduction, but I also use artists whose works are less well-known, as did Polly. The journal's readership's getting younger, so I feel like we have to be willing to include different types of art that connects with those younger readers and that will still prove compelling to our longtime readers. I've reached out to contemporary artists such as Alexander Skotchkoff, who creates amazing whimsical images in Photoshop. Rogan Brown, who fashions elaborate monochromatic sculptures from layers of paper. And Pam Longobardi, who uses plastic debris she's removed from beaches to create montages. And Edward Epp, who spent time teaching in Liberia and auctioned many of his works to support the Ebola relief work of Doctors Without Borders. What's the process you use for selecting and obtaining a piece of art? I don't have a degree in art history, so when Peter Drottman, EID's editor-in-chief, selects a theme for an upcoming issue of the journal, I start thinking about what sorts of art would be appropriate. My first stop is often an online search to see what I can find. In the past few years, a great deal of art has moved into the public domain and is open access. 
Our options are therefore greater because so much more art is now available for use at either no cost or for low cost. I also talk with Dr. Drotman, who has an incredible knowledge of art as well as science, and I've consulted with Louise Shaw, curator of the CDC Museum. Many people who are not involved in infectious disease still look forward to reading these cover stories. What do you see as the importance of the EID art and stories in relation to the journal, art, and science in general? Linking microbiology, infectious diseases, epidemics, and various vectors to art and vice versa creates perspectives that can help humanize the science and offer a different way of seeing the art. I think it's somewhat intellectually dishonest to segregate the arts and sciences and act as though one is better or more important than the other. The connections between art and sciences are much stronger than the differences when one looks at them through a true liberal arts lens, where grammar, rhetoric, logic, geometry, arithmetic, music, and astronomy are the basis of study. And the point of learning is to analyze information, not just accumulate it. I hope these stories simply prove stimulating, perhaps entertaining, to anyone who spends a few minutes reading them. Oxford University Press published a book of 92 EID cover art and stories in 2014, which is still available, titled Art and Science, Selections from Emerging Infectious Diseases. Do you see a part two in your future? The jury's out on many fronts. I'm not sure how my work will be judged. Polly's timeless essays and her choice of artwork was groundbreaking. Perhaps if there is demand for part two, I can contribute a bit of a different perspective. I believe you're going to read one of your cover stories to us right now. Which one is it? It's the one we just published today, the newest one, for August 2017. Hematophagous Endeavors, Fact and Fancy. I wrote this one with my most frequent co-author, Paul Arguin. Let's start with some facts. The word mosquito is Spanish for little fly. The single family, Culichidae, comprises more than 3,500 species of mosquitoes. And these ectoparasites are found in a wide range of environments spanning the globe, with the exception of Antarctica. The lifespan of adult mosquitoes ranges from two weeks to six months. Mosquitoes belonging to about three-quarters of recognized species consume blood. Female mosquitoes of those species are equipped with tubular mouth parts that can pierce the skin of their human and animal host to consume blood. The blood provides them with protein to produce eggs. When they are not producing eggs, female mosquitoes typically consume the same things that males do nectar and sap from a variety of plants. Male mosquitoes do not need to feed on blood and consequently have not evolved to have larger mandibles for piercing layers of skin. Some mosquitoes spread disease-causing agents that have serious and widespread consequences for humans and animals. Mosquitoes transmit the five plasmodium parasite species that cause malaria in humans and the infectious agents that can cause chikungunya disease, dengue hemorrhagic fever, Japanese encephalitis, lymphatic filariasis, Rift Valley fever, West Nile virus infection, and yellow fever. 
Of those, the illness that sickens and kills most people each year is malaria. For the year 2015, the World Health Organization reported 212 million new cases of malaria and an estimated 429,000 deaths from malaria worldwide. Mosquitoes are not simply mechanical vectors or mobile fomites. Many pathogens complete stages of their life cycles within the mosquito or may have to move from the mosquito's gut to its salivary glands, which is often why mosquitoes are not immediately infectious after consuming a blood meal from the initial infectious host. This complex relationship helps explain why specific diseases and certain mosquitoes are linked. Malaria and Anopheles species, Japanese encephalitis and Culex species, or dengue and Aedes species. Bill Gates wrote that when it comes to killing humans, no other animal even comes close. Science writer Jerry Adler noted in an article that one species, the Anopheles gambia mosquito, has been called the world's most dangerous animal, although strictly speaking, that only applies to the female of the species, which does the blood sucking and harms only indirectly. As we consider the facts, let's shift to fancy for this month's cover art, The Old Mosquito by artist, illustrator, and web designer Alexander Skotchkoff. Much of his art belongs to realms of magic, whimsy, and wonder. His colorful creations often feature a wry sense of humor. He cites as inspiration the contemporary fantasy art created by Scott Gustafson, Paul Bonner, and Jean-Baptiste Monge. Art blogger Lafayette Waddles states that Scotchkoff offers a fascinating mix of nature and humanity, with neither being quite what we've come to expect in the real world. Although Scotchkoff is not working with bristle brushes and a palette of paints, his approach is nonetheless laborious and deliberate. Scotchkoff's creations, including this work, typically start with a penciled sketch that forms the basis of the finished image. He scans that drawing into Photoshop, with which he employs a range of tools, filters, layers, and effects to manipulate the textures, tones, and colors. In this clever image, Scotchkoff depicts a tired, older mosquito heading home after a long night of collecting blood. The bare branches and grayish fog of morning suggest that summer is past, and the old mosquito is approaching the end of his days and the end of the year. The bright red blood contained in the mosquito's jug, his red hat and legs, and of course his blood-tipped proboscis tinged from his hematophagous endeavors, contrast with the morning gloom. Etymologists will be quick to point out that the depiction is scientifically inaccurate because male mosquitoes do not ingest blood. Mosquitoes also do not wear shoes and cute hats. So we hope any etymologist reading this essay will allow the illustrator to exercise artistic license. Scotchkoff has depicted this recent blood collection not just as the mosquito's prized possession, but also as his burden. The mosquito is bowed with the weight of the bottle strapped on his back. 
Supported by a cane, he trudges along collecting blood in exchange for an itchy welt or worse, an infectious microorganism that can cause illness, disability, and death for its new host. His resigned expression suggests that our mosquito must be aware of the grim consequences of his actions, but has no choice regarding his role in the world. With few friends and not much to smile about, this older mosquito will continue on his appointed rounds for as long as he can bear it. Thank you, Byron. Listeners can read these intriguing EID cover art stories every month at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.